Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Basically Famous. Thanks for joining us. We're your hosts, Shelby and Tyler. Welcome to this week's episode. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of Basically Famous. We're so glad you've joined us today or whenever you're joining us. We have our cousin, Madison Monashagan. We call her Maddie with us today. And so Maddie, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Maddie. I went to the University of Texas at Austin. I graduated in 2017 where I was a history and government major. And if you listen to the podcast or know the Schusters, you know to have a longhorn in the family is a little bit surprising. Um, I counted it once. I think we have like 20 plus family members that went to AM, and that was probably before Shelby and anyone younger than Shelby went to AM. So those numbers are only growing. But from there, I went to Tulane for law school and I graduated law school in the spring of 2020, which was the first semester of the Zoom School of Law. If you'll recall that the world kind of shut down then. Um, And then I just made my way back to Austin where I'm practicing. You mentioned that you're practicing law in Austin. Tell us um, a little bit about maybe what a day to day looks like for you and what led you to pursue that. Yeah, so I have been back in Austin. I've been doing family law the whole time that I've been back. I moved back in June of 21. And when people ask me what my favorite thing about family law is, the answer is that it's not boring. And that is certainly reflected in my day to day. It can be completely different one day to the next. Um, Like I'll be meeting with a client tomorrow and downloading her phone and going through messages with her ex-boyfriend who she's got a kid with to see all the mean things he sent her and prepare for discovery and a hearing in that case. Um, We also have a hearing going on tomorrow where um, like opposing opposing party is military. So that one's kind of particular in its own way, but no two cases the same. trying to think of the other big things. We have lots of hearings all the time. So I'm doing hearing prep pretty frequently, discovery, where I get to kind of look into people's lives, go through their documents and see what it is that they think creates their best case. And okay, so why is this email important? It's not clear to me. So I'm going to have to have you explain that. That's a big one. But yeah, that's a general sense of my time. Well, as a practicing lawyer, how do you maintain work-life balance? Um, as I think about this, I think that I have gotten better about maintaining work-life balance and more so my difficulty is just the life balance part. In my last year, um, I've had to learn how to do a lot of things. And one of those is be a young adult. <laughs> and in that process, I've been focused on learning about boundaries and creating them and setting them. And so I've tried to implement that between my work and life. So if I get an email from a client at 9 p.m. and nothing's going on in that case, I don't have to respond right then and there. It can wait. I have had to learn how to put the blinders on even within one day to figure out how to prioritize things. And that's been difficult. 
but I think this is something that the two of you will also relate to just knowing how both of our families were being in a small town. Our parents were involved in everything. They were on every committee applicable for us in school. We were active in church. My mom was on a business thing. She was in chamber of commerce, civic club. She was in praying moms with her, her friends. There's always just something going on. And I knew that I would live in a city eventually, but for me, I knew that I'd have to be intentional, intention, intentional. Yes. About creating that sense of community that is just so inherent to life in a small town. Mm -hmm. So, um, like Shelby, I'm also a provisional member of my local junior league chapter and with some significant time commitments, but it's been good. And I'm looking to be more active in the Austin Bar Association and the Austin Young Lawyers Association. So figuring out how to balance all of those things and making sure that I'm taken care of, that I have time for friends and family and now a boyfriend, it's been a lot. And a conversation that I had with my therapist just recently was, why don't we create one night a week where I don't make plans with anyone? And so starting this week, I've got Maddie Mondays. Yes, no one's I, love that. I love that. I do that too. I usually claim Friday and I tell people I go home and I take like a two hour nap to recoup from the week and then I can do whatever for the weekend, but don't need me Friday night. And I also, Tyler makes fun of me and so does everybody else. And I don't care. I tell people I need five business days notice to do anything. I'm not spontaneous. That's more of my Enneagram three but I also think that that helps me establish boundaries. That way I feel like people are respecting my time. And I've just gotten to this really bad habit where I would look at my week and say, oh, well, I don't have anything on Tuesday. Why don't I add something on Tuesday? It's like, well, I don't have anything on Thursday either. I should add that. And then suddenly I have no energy. I feel like I've given all my time away. And one of the books I started reading about a year ago was set boundaries, find peace. And one of the things she points out was that if you aren't capable of setting boundaries, you start resenting the people that you're giving your time to. And I would never want to devalue relationships and begin to resent the people that I love the most because I was not capable of saying no to them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, so you've mentioned some of the things you're doing to get reconnected as an adult um, back into Austin. And so we're kind of similar, we're living as adults in the towns we attended college. So what was the transition like coming back to Austin and in what ways going from undergrad to adulthood, has it been similar or different? When I moved back to Austin last year, it felt like a different city. Um, it certainly feels the tech influence now. And oh, it yeah. so many people are out of state. I feel like I see people from Chicago, California, like for whatever reason, Ohio is popular. Um, and every time I'm driving around town, I'll see like a student driver bumper sticker. And I think to myself, like, that's probably some 32 year old from Brooklyn learning how to drive for the first time. That's not a 16 year old. And like, funny enough, one of my favorite neighbors at my apartment complex was one of those people from Brooklyn who had to drive for the first time when she moved to Austin. That's funny. Well, what are some things you like to do for fun? Unfortunately, my hobbies are just spending money. I like yeah, I have that problem too. Yeah. It's just like, you never know. You might as well go shop and see what's out there. Um, but I like to explore Austin. Um, I keep a running list of all the places that I eat in town so that when someone randomly texts me, Hey, I'm going to be in Austin. What do you recommend? I'm not like, Oh, 
where did I go last week? I don't think I went anywhere new last week. I can't say that. So I just have like this massive list of food categories that I'm always trying to add. I'm always looking for new restaurants in town and I'm always cross-referencing like the Austin best 25 restaurants of 2021 to try to knock all those off the list. But other than that, I like hiking. Um, I, I enjoy Austin partially so much because it's a city, but you do have the hill country around you. So you get to go kind of anywhere in town and you'll find spaces that the city has tried to maintain for its real natural beauty. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of water in those spots right now. Other than that, I'm trying to get more into reading as Shelby will sometimes see my activity <laughs> spike on Goodreads and then kind of plateau for a little bit. But yeah. And then every now and then I text her like, I see you read this book by said author. I read the other. Let's compare notes. And I text Shelby the other day. It's like, you get the most insight into my life as a family member because you see my <laughs> random self-help books that no one else knows about. <laughs> I'm a good secret keeper though. Whatever. If I truly cared, I wouldn't put it on a yeah. social media platform. Okay, this is random and not in the list we asked you, but would you consider yourself a foodie? And do you think you got that from your dad since he's like the brisket connoisseur? I kind of do think I got it from my dad. Um, if my dad would just go out of his way to try new foods, like there is nothing that man doesn't like to eat. I was just telling my boyfriend, Eric, I'm like, I think there's one food that my dad doesn't like. And it's like an obscure poultry kind of thing. Like <laughs> that's it. Like maybe it's duck. That's the one thing my dad. Oh, I thought you were going to say like gizzards. No, I think he likes gizzards. I think he likes <laughs> liver. It's like, he doesn't like pound cake and sugar cookies just because they're kind of low complexity. He's not a sugar person. Your, your mom can bake much better than a sugar cookie though. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably do get that from him. Um, I try not to just rely on going to the same places. I certainly have crutches that I'll lean on for food in Austin, but I just think there's so many new places opening up in town that I try to be intentional about trying non-chains, trying the things that are getting James Beard nominations in town things that I'm seeing on Instagram. And that's really how I find all of the places that I end up going. And I have been a positive recipient of Maddie Monoshagan, uh, Austin bar and restaurant food suggestions. So do recommend. I'll just send anybody the whole list and you can do whatever you want with it, whether it's helpful <laughs> or not. Well, what is something that you have really enjoyed in 2022? Ooh. Um, and I also just had a birthday. So I've been very in the last week or two reflective on that last 27th year and going into my 28th year. I think um, just all the friendships I've had, I've had friendships kind of across the board that have really enriched my life, that it makes it hard to say any specific favorite memory. Um, one is that we just completed a jury trial at work in October. And I, that was a culmination of so many things that really made me feel accomplished and proud in that moment. Um, to know that my boss trusts me, that I am capable of helping him with a jury trial. He let me take some witnesses, so that was fun. Um, but just getting to be in the courthouse and be around people was really exciting and get to make friends with other attorneys. I appreciated that a lot. So I think, community in my life has always been important, but coming out of a pandemic and law school and really 
deciding where my roots are going to be in the future. It's been really gratifying to make those connections with with people who are going to be friends and colleagues and mentors across the board. Yeah, that's awesome. I I really appreciate that. Just, I mean, we're in similar life stages. And so trying to take that next step in some of those areas professionally and personally too. So I, I really appreciated that. So two-part question next, um, what advice would you give A, someone interested in law school and then B, a young professional trying to find their footing in corporate America? Definitely don't do law school unless you are sure that you wanna do it. In my experience, people who took time off in between undergrad and law school make significantly better students. You really have the ability to put that decision into perspective. You know, you've put your life on hold, you've put relationships on hold, maybe you've uprooted your life, stopped your career trajectory wherever it was at to come back and do this. You have skin in the game in a way that I didn't really as what we call a K through JD where I was kindergarten mm-hmm. through my JD. And so be intentional about not just making it an option, making it something that you're passionate about. Even if you don't know exactly what your law career is going to look like, it's such a different environment for, for people who are used to undergrad. I loved school. I loved college and it was just so different in law school. There's that inherent competitive nature And even the way assignments are, you're not allowed to collaborate with other people. And so it feeds into that system of not being able to to work positively with others. Mm -hmm. And I don't think my class at Tulane was bad about the competition aspect, but it's very much an isolating experience that first year as you try to learn about law school and how it works for you, learn about how to study try to make friends in this just kind of scary environment. And um, if listeners aren't familiar with the system of cold call, in law school, it's called the Socratic method. And the theory is that professors are gonna pick people to call on. And it's a scary process. Some professors are absolutely brutal with the way they, they pick on students. And I got lucky that no one was ever awful to me, but it's just a very anxiety inducing process that first year on a lot of levels. So that's my thought on someone who's considering law school is make sure you want to do it. Talk to people in the legal field, talk to law students, particularly ones who've just come out of law school. I'm always happy to share my experiences in any field with people who ask, but then in corporate America, I think that one of the most valuable things that I've done since I've started this process of being a young adult and a young working adult is going to therapy and having just a space dedicated to me being able to talk about my feelings and my experiences and knowing that I'm not a burden to those around me. I'm not diminishing whatever it is they're going through. You know, your therapist is there to listen to you for an hour. You are the only focus and you pay them. So (laughs) they're going to do a good job of it most likely. And that's just been really incredible for me personally. It's been about a year since I started going and I'm just so thankful for the peace she's given me, the space she has provided me to cry and then in the next second be laughing with her. I appreciate it so much and I recommend that everyone do it. I know we both can relate to that. We both enjoy our therapists and 
being able to have someone you can complain to and they can't do anything but help you find a solution. And sometimes you just have to vent and then you find your own solution. So yep. I know we both like that. Well, I think um, I try to be vocal about how pro-therapy I am because I think there's such a stigma around it, mm-hmm. particularly probably in the ways <laughs> that we both grew up being in small towns. Um, seeking therapy doesn't mean that anything's wrong. And I remember one of my first sessions with my therapist was like, you know, I'm here, I need some help, but like, don't feel like my parents messed up. Like they were great. And at one point she's like, you know, like you can have a great childhood and still need therapy. That's okay. It doesn't, the fact that you are in this room does not mean anything of anyone. And I don't want you to think that's the only way you get to be here. So shout out to Grace. She's my favorite. Love her so much. (laughs) That's a really good you have always been a big music gal you love music you love concerts we all saw Willie Nelson and George Strait together this year so (laughs) (laughs) that was an experience only only your mom would have her boots that George Strait signed from like 30 years ago well, we have to tell everyone the full story of when you walked into the hotel room. Do you want to <laughs> I didn't even say hi. And she was like telling me all about him. But honestly, the more I thought on it, and I have continued to think about these boots. And it's been like six months. We're like six months yeah. It's honestly, one, so impressive they still fit. Two, that they were signed multiple times by George Strait. And three, that your mom still had them because I am the queen of throwing crap out. Well, and like the funniest part of all of this is that my mom was so excited about her boots. She's had them since the eighties, I guess. And Shelby and Tyler walk into the hotel room and my mom, first thing she says is, you see my boots? You see my boots? George Strait has signed twice. They're from the eighties. Tyler gives her an up and down and goes, <laughs> I wouldn't be bragging about how old those boots are. <laughs> <laughs> but the more I thought about it the more impressed I've been <laughs> did but, she take them off to walk barefoot back to the hotel at one point I don't think she walked barefoot but while we were sitting at the concert she did take them off yes so that's I what picked it was. Them up and I whipped them around when George got <laughs> <up the stage. laughs> the I yelled do you ceiling. recognize these boots yeah hitting the ceiling and moody yeah well, what has been one of your favorite concerts? Because you listen to all genres. I do. Um, and within my 27th year of life, I saw Casey Musgraves, who is one of my absolute favorites. I saw Willie and George with y'all. Obviously, absolutely iconic. I've seen Willie a few times, but that was my first time seeing George. I saw Lady Gaga in Toronto, which was a lot of fun. That's my first time in Toronto. And then I saw Harry Styles this past September. And I think the answer has to be Harry Styles because like the energy was absolutely insane. I'd seen One Direction, but I was going to Harry Styles with my best friend from college. She just had a baby in July. It's my first time seeing her since she had the baby. So we were so excited. And I knew that I was going to be like screaming while he was on stage. But the way I tell you, he hit the stage I did not consciously do this, but I just started screaming. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have anything to say. It was just like the hormones take over in that environment because like there's all these women and these cute outfits who are also losing their mind. And it was just such a good time. I, I also felt insanely old, 
the 19 year old and the 18 year old behind me, she's like, oh yeah, I remember listening to One Direction in second grade. I was like, cool. <laughs> I started listening to One Direction my senior year of high school. <laughs> and then we would take photos and they'd be like, big sleigh. That's so cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> they made me feel young and they made me feel old. It was just the best time all around. It's like the opposite of the audience experience Tyler and I had when we went to see Reba. Yes. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. I mean, I didn't completely lose consciousness and scream when we went, Ty. So, you know, we were also touching the ceiling of Dickies. Uh-huh. And, and I still cannot believe somehow I let Shelby talk me into paying that much money to basically touch the ceiling. But we had a good time. You're the one who said, I want to go see Reba. And I said, say less. Well, I, had, I don't remember seeing Reba as a kid. Like we did. And I don't remember. And I just think, you know, like, George the king she's the queen like I needed to go see her and we were literally well besides the lady in front of us like brought her son we were the youngest people like in our section by years I felt mm-hmm. like I think there those guys behind us were close to my age probably but I was like okay mom's night out then we're leaving and I volunteered to take these people's picture because you know <laughs> I mean, they were doing the old Donna and John Paul selfie method. And I was like, hey, can I take your picture? And I was just, and they were like, yeah, that's so nice. Like, kind of like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, I have parents. Like, I understand. And I think they were offended, but they were literally like 45. So they could be my They did get really mad. And I was like, no, the person I trust with an Instagram photo, it's Tyler Schuster. I wasn't trying to offend them, but like, you know, my parents need some help too. I was just trying to help them out. Yeah, no, you've seen how my mom takes selfies. They're not exactly grid worthy always. Mom, sorry. (laughs) Okay, I have a question that's not on the list that I just (laughs) thought of. Um, So for context for the listeners, your immediate family has like big Christmas and you guys have started doing like a cocktail contest. Have you thought about yet what you're going to make? And if so, are you willing to tease it on the podcast? Or can we try it out beforehand? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I haven't thought about it at all because we don't know what the Christmas plans are. And I have tried to not overwhelm Nora, my sister, future sister-in-law and Davis, my brother would like, so when you come in for Christmas, because they just got out of election, I don't want to bother Um, so I haven't truly thought about it, but I can tell everyone kind of what happened last year. So we did a, a children's cocktail competition because we as adults were doing cocktails. Um, so we did each adult was paired up with a child. You come up with a drink that it is what it is. The children's drinks were hit or miss, but then the real star of this year, this was new year's Eve was that we were doing a cocktail competition as adults. We presented our drinks in order of oldest to youngest. So my dad was first, I was last. And in hindsight, that kind of put me at a disadvantage because my sister-in-law, Sandy, uh, was ready to pass out a little <laughs> bit by the time it was my drink of the night. So my dad did a margarita. My mom did like a blue tiki kind of drink with coconut. Then was Sandy and she did a cranberry vodka drink. And my brother JT did like a whiskey chai kind of thing, bourbon maybe. Then Nora, who ended up winning, did 
a margarita and she kind of like made it up herself. So she didn't have a recipe. It was so good. It was, it was my top vote of the night followed by Davis doing a tequila sour, which was my second vote of the night. It was very good. And then I did a pomegranate French 75, but, um, you know, I say Sandy almost passed out. It kind of ended up being to my advantage because how we did the voting system was that you rank everything best to worst. And she had me ranked as the best and my brother, her husband, JT ranked as the worst, <laughs> but I know that she loves that drink. So it was certainly like, she got it all backwards. She had the opportunity to ask how the voting system worked and we had already used it once that night. So I was like, you know what? That's on her. So it was a lot of fun. I ended up second. I'll take it. And Nora, she got first with her kind of margarita concoction. We'll have to figure out, but my mom thinks that perhaps we do a little bit more sampling and a longer drinking process because some of us are lightweights. Yeah. Maybe like have multiple nights, right? Like here's the preliminary round. And then once you get out of that and do that, like the next night and then the Schusters could come help judge the final. I'm just yes. saying, I like that idea. Um, Cause then we wouldn't have any, like, we wouldn't know we'd be completely like unbiased. We wouldn't have had tasted it leading up to that. Or you can make different ones each round. I don't know. And like, because we had done the kids competition, like our timeline was like a little bit messed up for the night. So well, I will say that even the kids really enjoyed it. They will even tell me that their mom had a good time oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I take them to school. So I know that they really enjoyed that. And y'all partnered with, because there's, is there five of y'all and five of them? Yeah, We didn't make their parents, um, team up with anybody. They got to be judges though. So that was fun. But before we wrap up the podcast, we ask everybody the same question. And that is, if you had a billboard, what would be on it and why? I was kind of torn on this. I was like, do I do a collage of all my favorite things? Um, and if I did that, it would be like, I'd have to have Dirk Nowitzki on there. I'd have yes. like skyline. I'd have my dog. I'd have the phrase, like go to therapy on there. Um, like disco balls, that kind of fun stuff. But I think ultimately I just want like a bunch of cute photos of my dog on a billboard. Um, I would love, I would love to see Winston on my drive. It's so funny. Like my dog loves everybody and almost everyone loves him as well. <laughs> Our grandma does not love him, but as soon as she like sits down for the first time in his presence on any given trip, he jumps in her lap and she'll jump and she, she does not like him. Meanwhile, one of her sisters is obsessed with him. Yes. But that's not his choice for a lap. He has to sit with honey. I mean, she, she does appear the warmest. <laughs> sure. <laughs> hey, we didn't even talk about how you are Dallas Mavericks. Go hard or go home growing up. Yeah. Um, another thing that distinguishes me and sports from the rest of a fair amount of our family, because obviously I like the Mavericks because my mom ended up transferring her allegiance to the Mavericks when she moved to North Texas. But, um, you'll see photos of me with blue hair as a child with like a basketball net on my head and jerseys. Like I just lost my damn mind as a child for the Dallas Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki. Didn't you like smell a shoe or something one time? I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds like, I, I know we each have a picture from when we went to New York for your birthday, we went by the NBA store and they have like the cement balls of their hands and like 
you took a picture with your hand in dirt and I took mine with Tim Duncan and you had like cutouts from like magazines of Dirk and Steve oh, Nash, yeah. like on your I'm little bureau. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was obsessed. I was certifiably obsessed. And I actually have two Dirk rosary candles in my room. My mom oh, got did your mom get you one. I have a Tim Duncan one from her. Yes. So my mom got me and her one. And then she was like, oh, honey and Shelby need a Tim Duncan. And then when she ordered that for y'all, she's like, well, they had a purple one and we didn't have a purple one. So now I had to get us another one. So now I've got, <laughs> I've got two Dirks in my room and, um, my roommate, she babysits for a family in the building. And one of the kids walked into my room and he goes, oh, you have a magic man. I was like, what? And he pulled out the Dirk candle. I was like, well, sure. I mean, I think Dirk's magic, whatever. <laughs> well, as we wrap up, thank you so much for sitting down with us. This was so fun. And I know our listeners are really going to enjoy it. Of course. Thank y'all for having me.